0: From the Summer Skate Studios, Behind the Mask Hockey Shops present College Hockey West Live. College Hockey West Live is brought to you by Peterson Toyota. College graduate, member of the military, then you might be eligible for a special rebate or discount. See us at petersontoyota.com. Top Golf. Let us help you reimagine your next business meeting or team building event. See your regional center or go to topgolf.com. The NCHC and NCHC.tv. Subscribe to NCHC.tv to watch the best in college hockey since 2013. Behind the Mask hockey shops. Visit any of our Three Valley locations or go to BehindTheMask.com, whether you're on ice or in line. Jets Pizza. Whether it's our legendary Detroit-style square or New York-style thin crust, Jets Pizza is better because it has to be caesar's entertainment resorts and casinos whether it's las vegas or any of our other worldwide properties an iconic vacation awaits you at any of our destinations liberty university play for something more faith education and hockey at liberty.edu m drive natural support for men looking to increase energy strength and drive always free delivery at mdriveformen.com summer skates whether our original red or new black shower shoes Show your game and style at summerskates.com. And by College Hockey Inc., your NCAA hockey resource. College Hockey West live from the Summer Skates Studios, presented by Behind the Mask, is a part of the Ice Time Hockey West.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein.
1: All oh, right. Well, welcome in, hockey fans. Anywhere that you may be listening to us tonight on this Sunday night. It is uh Wow, it's uh, a big hockey week again. It is a big football week again, especially here in the desert. Scott Strandy with you tonight from beautiful Harris Resort and Casino in Maricopa, Arizona. My co-host as always, Paul Hornstein, joining me from that beautiful palatial estate out on Long Island, New York, where he hardly ever leaves. It's so much fun to be in that uh, environment. Paul, how are you?
0: Um... At least today it's, well, no, leave, Uh, whatever. Yeah, it takes me, whatever, yeah. Uh, I'm not the one. We already
1: know it takes you an hour to get off the the property and into the city and all that stuff, so yeah, Yeah, we get it. yeah.
0: Yeah, except it's the two seconds off the property, and the hour to get to Queens. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway. um, I'm not the the one in the penthouse. I'm in the basement. Yeah, I'm on the 10th floor tonight. I'm on
1: the 10th floor tonight of the uh, beautiful Harris Resort and Casino uh, overlooking nothing. (laughs) Whatever. There's a football game this week? I thought football was over. Yeah, you know what? The the two Super Bowl teams arrived, and I don't want to push Michael's buttons before he even comes on, but, you know kansas city and philadelphia have arrived in the valley of the sun it was a chamber of commerce day the sunset was perfect 74 degrees not a breeze um i mean they couldn't have asked for a better arrival date and now the uh, preparation for super bowl 57 begins but but we're here to talk hockey tonight we got a great guest coming on with us in just a few minutes and uh we're going to talk and in, in learn a little bit more about the NCHC over the past decade. We're also going to find out um, how those NCHC teams are faring right now. And we're going to bring on the associate commissioner from the NCHC, Michael Weissman, with us in just a couple of minutes. So before we get to that, Paul, there was a couple of huge series this weekend. Uh, One of them uh, had a penalty shot goal that I thought was the highlight and before Michael comes on, I want to talk about it because you you showed it to me, and then I went and found the clip, and I've watched it about I don't know 150,000 times already. But Hunter McAllen made quite a move on one Magnus Crona, who has had the number Let's of the Tigers that. forever. Yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> um, that's the I think that's the only goal he's given up against CC in, in the entire time he, he's he's been at Denver. I mean, uh, um. The, the shutout streak that he had against them was insane. Uh, I think it encompassed five full games and parts of others. Um, seven,
1: seven total, I think. Uh, seven total, <laughs>
0: yeah, minutes and, worth
1: of games or games worth of minutes, something like that. Yeah,
0: and it's just, um, it, it's just crazy because, you know, after a while, that kind of that kind of stuff gets in your head. And I don't care what anybody says, because I've seen it too often. You know, I, I've seen it happen at, at every level. happens It happens in the NHL too, where a, a team just, where a goalie just has that team's number. I mean, um, and you, you know, it's it's almost like the goalie can just throw his equipment out there in front of the net, and 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 that's it.
1: You know, um... well, let me tell you, I, I've learned over the last couple of years a lot more about the gold pan than I've ever known in the past. And uh, that rivalry is fierce. You saw it on the ice, uh, off the ice. The guys uh, are friends and cordial and uh, but they want to beat each other. It's like any rivalry. But man, the, these two schools are are so close together. They're just down I-25, about 45 miles or so and uh it's it's a real battle and now unfortunately for the uh tigers and and coach chris mayot um they have to wait another year to get that gold pan back because it resides in denver and now denver's won two out of four which means the best the tigers can do is tie and that would remain um or like a tie going the runner yep it would uh mean that the uh the cup the gold pan um resides in denver so Congratulations to the Pioneers. They are the defending NCAA champions. Uh, you know, so uh, I guess that's not to be surprised. But I, I thought the Tigers put up a really good fight both games so far. Well, listen.
0: Um, no one, it, it, you know, no one expected CC to, to have, you know, to, to, for their turnaround to be instantaneous. They could take steps. And... And I think that uh you know we've seen that over the last two years um, you know the 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 recruiting classes get better, and players get used to the system and and everybody gets comfortable and 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 kind of knows what's going on and and you know uh, if I said to you in the next year or two it it might go the other way uh that wouldn't shock you. Um, and it's not because you would think that Denver's uh, level would go down. It's just you you figure that CC is going to catch him.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's uh, if you forecasted it, it would look that way. But all right, let's not mess it around. If we're talking NCHC hockey, let's go get the guy, the associate commissioner of the NCHC, Michael Weissman, and bring him on, get his thoughts. Michael, Scott, and Paul with you. And before we even start talking hockey, Um How are you feeling for the past week? Because I know you were uh, uh, and are a diehard Bengals fan. And I expected to see you here this week. Uh, And as the Chiefs arrived, all I could think about was Michael's team. The Cincinnati Bengals should have been here.
2: How are you? (laughs) <laughs> hey Scott. Hey Paul. Uh, thanks for ha- <laughs> thanks for having me on, and uh, really appreciate you you bringing that up there, uh, Scott. I, co- wow. I come I come on a hockey podcast thinking <laughs> I'm going to talk about hockey, and here I am a week later getting still. Uh, Blitzed and having to uh, recall the the AFC Championship game last listen, Sunday, the, but my, as Scott my, as Scott knows, I was I was uh, asked to join last week and uh, right. politely declined, uh, hoping that my Bengals would win another AFC title. But uh, listen, came Michael, up a player too short, unfortunately.
0: Listen, Michael, my brother-in-law is a Jets fan, so unless you're unless you you know if you <laughs> you, you you know there are a couple of teams like the Jets and the Lions that would gladly gladly trade places so yeah no
2: i mean the, the bengals uh have had a long history of losing so i mean oh michael we've, we've been spoiled um, these last two so years so anyway but that's that's let's, why let's we talk appreciate hockey, it
1: because that's what we're here to do so let's uh sure let's yeah, talk a little yeah. nchc let's see, let's see stuff
2: that. Yeah, let's let's do that. I prefer to talk about that than uh, the NFL these days.
1: <laughs> Sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut over you. My, uh, my headset went out, so I couldn't hear any communication. So I thought I better break up and, and get things going. But um, first and foremost, did you see Hunter McCown's goal live last night, or did you see it on uh, on video?
2: I did. I was uh, at the game last night at Robeson Arena, and it was quite impressive. At, at first, I wasn't sure... If it was, you know, intentional that he kind of lost the puck and, and fumbled, it kind of looked like maybe he fumbled it and then gathered it at the last second and back, backhanded it top shelf. But then after looking at the replays, you can kind of tell he was intentionally moving his stick over it while letting the puck glide. And then just at the split second before Krona tried to poke check it away, he was able to grab it and go backhand top shelf. So, yeah, certainly uh, even more impressive, I think, the more I watch it than maybe it was live.
1: I've watched it 150,000 times now, so uh, <laughs> I, I've almost wore it out. But, you know, I, I've got a, a little affection for, for Hunter McCown. I, I just think that kid is uh, is just everything he epitomizes a college hockey player. I've seen him, you know, at the WJ, uh, the World Junior Championships. I saw him at the, uh, the uh, evaluation camps. And uh, I just keep watching his progress and thinking he's getting better and better and better as time goes on. But how close are the Tigers getting to the pioneers right now?
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely closer. I know you guys were talking about kind of the <clears throat> Corona shutout streak against CC and <clears throat> Denver just clinched. It's four straight uh, gold pan or four straight years. CC last won it in 2019. So um, Denver certainly had the upper hand of late. Uh, also, when you look at national success, obviously do you two national titles in the last, you know, five, six years. So, um, they've had the upper hand on CC, but uh, you, you can definitely tell with uh, coach Mayad at the helm, they're starting to get, you know, maybe a little bit better players in there. They got uh, Caden Emberico net as a freshman and hopefully he'll be there for, you know, at least two, three, maybe all four years. And, um, you know, I think he'll be a good, good starting block. He's certainly quite impressive and and played well really in both games up the one up at Ball Arena, uh, which I was also at. I thought, you know, he was arguably the best player on the ice. And then, uh, certainly gave his team a chance last night uh, until kind of the end when, when you got a couple there, but um, yeah, I think they're definitely getting closer. I uh, wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, maybe sneak went out up at Denver at the end of the year, but may depend on what the standings look like too, and what Denver has to play for. So um, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's good. And uh, it's good for college hockey when that gold pan is you know, a little more competitive. Um, I think CC only scored two goals all last season against Denver. And then they, those didn't come against Magnus Corona. Um So it's, it's, it's good when it's, you know, they always say a rivalry is only a rivalry when both teams are winning, right? So yeah. um, it's it's good to have the Tigers kind of on, on the mend and um, being a little bit more competitive in that rivalry.
0: Um, before I want to throw something in here uh, before we continue this. I want to go back to that, that penalty shot for a second. Um, we have to give the officials on the ice some credit for not, because we we sat here and we watched it, And I watched it live, and I'm like, wow, did he lose control of the puck? And as you said, Michael, you were there. Um, The officials could have very very easily blown that dead for lack of continuation of the play. So kudos to them. We always get on the rest when they screw up. Got to give them credit when they do the right thing.
2: Yeah, I think uh, in terms of the ruling on the penalty shot, as long as the puck is moving forward, um, you should be okay there. So I think he, you know, he was, he was in the right to as long as that puck's moving forward and he's moving forward, you're, you're good there. Obviously if Crono would have gotten his stick to poke, check it away, that that would have ended it.
1: Okay. So let me ask you this. I'm looking at the standings as we speak and Michael, Paul and I have talked all season long about is the NCHC down this year? Uh, are they having a down year when you look at teams like Minnesota, Duluth and North Dakota, um in the middle to the bottom of the pack instead of up at the top where you normally see them but then all of a sudden you look at the points and you see denver with 35 and western michigan with 33 st cloud state with 33 omaha with 30 and you realize that uh we got a couple of weeks left in the season at least and um this isn't over yet so when we look at that is the nchc down in your opinion or is it just a kind of changing of the guard if you will
2: yeah, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, the NCHC is down or the teams are down a little bit. I, you know, it's hard for me to totally say. I guess we'll see come NCAA tournament time, right? But, um, I, you know, I'd like to think we're not down. Certainly, maybe some of the programs that historically have been, you know, at the top of the standings and have been um, winning national championships and Penrose Cups and things like that in, in North Dakota, Minnesota, Duluth, like you said, uh, are in the bottom half of the standings and, uh, you know, certainly are in danger of not even hosting a quarterfinal. They're going to need some help and and really get on the roll to to make up that gap between the top four and bottom four. But um, you know, Denver, defending national champion, still playing at a high level. Um, Saint Cloud State's maybe uh, you know hit a little bit of a skid here, uh, going uh, winless in their last four now. But um, they were playing at a really high level and had some big non-conference wins uh, earlier this season and split with Minnesota, who's arguably you know been the most consistent team all season. Um, and then Western Michigan is you know at least in my opinion, I think maybe a little overperformed what I was expecting considering everything they lost with, you know, Ethan Frank and Ronnie Adder and Brandon Bussey and I could go on. Um, But to have that top line of Jason Poland really kind of fill that void of Ethan Frank, almost even better. I think Frank finished with 26 uh, goals on the season and Poland's already at 24 with a month and a half to go still. So maybe two full months, depending on how far they go. Um, So he's, he's really filled that gap and that top line uh, has been producing them and they're the top scoring team in the country. So when you look at those three and you look at the paralyzed, it seems like those three are hopefully safely in, and then Omaha's kind of on the bubble there. And, and North Dakota's still in a position to make a run at the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if down is the right word, maybe just different teams at the top, like you said. And um, hard to say if it's a true changing of the guard or, you know, you would think North Dakota and Duluth might, might bounce back in the next season or two.
0: Well, that's it, right? I mean, part of the, part of the perception is that we're just so used to seeing it be Denver, Duluth, and North Dakota that anything else Saint, is Saint just Cloud. kind of Saint a Cloud's shock won, to the system.
2: St. Cloud's won several Penrose Cups. Let's make sure we give them their, their due there.
0: No, no, I I get that. I'm just and believe me, I, I, I deal with plenty of Saint Cloud fans. Um, so <laughs> you, mean, you, you get them too? I, I actually do. I, I um, I'm yeah, as as a matter of fact, I get crap.
2: <laughs> that's that's what i meant i meant you you hear from them too like like yeah
0: did. yeah yeah and 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 i'm like and i and and i've spent like the last i, I spent like a month apologizing for for not not having them higher on my own ballot uh, I, I don't know I'm, I'm sure scott is uh you know uh, you know you're I, I don't know if you're aware that scott makes me do a, a top 16 every week and And Mm -hmm. I had to apologize to the St. Cloud fans for not having them in there (laughs) earlier.
2: Yeah, well, it's funny people think Duluth has always kind of been—you know—they have the the national championships, but they've actually never won uh, the Penrose Cup, and St. Cloud has won uh, what three now, I think. So um, when you look at you know what's harder to win—the Penrose Cup or you know NCAA tournament or Frozen Faceoff, where you only have to win four um, games—some would argue the Penrose Cup is maybe even more impressive in the fact that St. Cloud has. Three, I think, really just speaks to what they've done as a program, both when Bob Matsko was there and what Brett Larson's been able to do. So, um, you know, Omaha, certainly a a little bit of a, you know, newcomer to that top half. And Western was there last year. But um, also, you know, it's it's good to see them have some consistency year to year in that in that top echelon.
1: Michael, let me ask you this, because I don't know if you heard uh, last Sunday's podcast, but I kind of lost it. Ah, uh, with the pairwise, I went on a little rant because I was standing up for the denver pioneers and And you know, I get this computer stuff. I really do. I understand it's a computer ranking, so I don't want to get too bent out of shape. but I also hear from a lot of people. And what I hear from uh, unfortunately, I guess or maybe fortunately, are corporate people, fans, parents, um people that are excited about college hockey. And they're always sending me messages after the pairwise come out and they go like, how can the pioneers be number seven in the country? Now they're six, but how could mm-hmm. they be number seven in the pairwise, um, when there's only four teams with 20 wins and, you know, and, and I'm looking at it and I'm going like, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it because we just talked about, um, maybe the NCHC not being down, but, um, I just can't figure out the formula. So I went on a little rant standing up for the Pioneers and the NCHC. I, I just I think if, if the general fan looks at it and says, Okay, my eyes tell me that there's four teams that have twenty wins as of last week, um, how can one be seven and, and or maybe there was three at that point? How can one and two have have spots, but the next one is number seven? It just didn't make any sense to me. Can you can you talk me off the ledge for the pioneers?
2: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I guess just one looking at the pairwise, I pulled it up myself. So it looks like there's now what five teams with 20 wins or more, and there's actually a team even behind Denver in Michigan Tech who's down at at 10 with 20 wins. So um, it just goes to show you it's it's really about beating the right teams and not necessarily winning. You know, I mean, obviously you want to win all your games, but you need to win the right games, not just win any game. So you know, Denver sweeping Miami, and this is not a knock on Miami, but Denver sweeping Miami doesn't do a whole lot for them in the pair right? So you know, they're racking up wins, but maybe they're not winning the right game, so to speak. If you look at some of their non-conference results, they got swept by UMass early in the season. Well, that counts just as much as, you know, a sweep right now does, and UMass is sitting at 28 in the pair so that's dragging Denver down. And then you look at Providence, another team that they that Denver swept, but those wins aren't quite as impressive as they were earlier in the season because Providence has kind of fallen down to 24 as really all of hockey East has just kind of sank down the pairwise. They were really, there were six or seven teams in the, in the tournament uh, back in, I think December. And now you look at it and I think there's only one, maybe two with Connecticut and then uh, Northeastern Merrimack, Lowell Providence all in a row there and UMass even further down. So um, I think that's p- part of what's hurting Denver um, is, is their non-conference, even though they, swept Providence they were swept by a UMass team that's turned out to you know not be so great they have a losing record and um, I think that's partly what's dragging them down um, but to your point about you know the NCHC being down I just looked at our non-conference uh, record this season and um, we had a 618 win percentage we're, we're done with non-conference now 618 win percentage is a little bit lower than where we've been in past years I think you know historically we've been around the 650 to 670 even at one point. Or one year um, so it's a little bit lower but not not that much lower than we've been in the past but um, perhaps the conference as a whole you know we've talked about North Dakota and Duluth they're at you know 20 and 25 in the pairwise normally wins over those teams would boost you up and right now those wins are they're good but you know they're they're more hurtful if you lose them than they necessarily are helpful if you win them and so um, unfortunately with only Saint. Cloud and Western and, and Omaha to some extent really, Up in that upper echelon, it's it's tougher for our conference teams to get quality wins now.
0: Well, but how? First of all, how much of that is a just? There's so many more good teams now. One and two. When Scott says a little rant, he's lying. It was about forty-five minutes. Oh my! So so
2: I need. So I should go back and listen to this as well. Yeah, you should. You should.
0: But (laughs) I mean, you know, some of that's (laughs) got to be
2: kind of like me ranting about the Bengals. Right, yeah, or the right. officiating in that game, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: yeah, I understand that. I'm an ASU fan. I've seen the, the Pac-12 officiating is legendary, <laughs> shall we say?
2: Anyway, um, yeah. So, but, so what were you we saying, Paul? Sorry.
0: Yeah, I mean, how much of it is uh, when you when you look at it, especially as we're still kind of dealing with the COVID factor, that there's just more good teams around, and 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 we use that dreaded word parody that it, it, you know, it is kind of jumbled some of, of what's going on.
2: Yeah. I and mean, I think, I think one thing to look at is the big 10, um, you know, people have liked, or at least fans in our conference have really liked knocking on the big 10 pretty much throughout our existence. Cause they haven't really had the success on a national level that we have. You know, I don't think they've won a national championship since the big 10 started their conference. Um, you know, they have had teams in the frozen four, but they haven't put a lot of teams in the tournament other than maybe three, four at the most in this year. I think they have five, maybe six teams in the tournament right now. Um, and so when you look at them, they're taking up a lot of spots that, you know, maybe our teams were taking up in the past. And because they're, all their teams are so high in the pairwise, even when they lose, it's not that bad because they're all, you know, higher, highly ranked and looking at our, our team's record against the big 10, we went six and nine against the big 10 this year. So, Unfortunately, that's a losing record. And so, you know, that kind of affects across the conference and favors the Big Ten. Big Ten has a 721 win percentage, which is, is really pretty impressive. Um, yeah. NCHC, we, we were second best at 618. So um, it kind of makes sense that they have, you know, the most teams and then us and then Hockey East kind of fell apart, <laughs> has fallen apart, yeah. uh, at least in the non-conference around the new year. And, and I guess now they're just beating up on each other. so. Um, they've dropped a lot of games and, and you got a couple CCHA schools hanging out there. So yeah, I think there's a little bit more balance across all the conferences, but I think the big 10 is maybe the biggest kind of bid stealer of, of some of those slots that NCHC teams have had in the past.
0: Well, let me ask you this question because Scott and I were, we talking about it and you know, is, I, I try to have this stuff cold, but um, it it doesn't always work out that way. Um you have to have a 500 record or better to get in the tournament, correct?
2: Correct, yeah, yeah.
0: So, um, you know, you could be in the top 16 in terms of the pairwise, but if you don't have a winning record, you don't get in, right?
2: Yeah, I think the, the one who I would probably apply to the most right now is Notre Dame. Right. Um, they're, they're outside at the moment. They're 17. You would need to be at least probably top 15, maybe top 14 to be safe. Uh, to get in the tournament. But, yeah, they're 13 and 14 right now. They have seemed like they've been splitting uh, a lot of their series. I know they were actually swept by Michigan State this past weekend. So they're going to need to uh, probably get a sweep somewhere along the way or maybe a couple sweeps to make sure that come playoff time when they potentially lose, if they lose in the Big Ten tournament and get another loss, that they're uh, still eligible for the tournament. So that, that's the one I see that um, you know could be close. I remember back in 20 – I think it was 2015 – when the NCHC got six teams in the tournament, St. Cloud State uh, got in with exactly a 500 record. Right. Um, and and they actually lost, I uh, can't remember, if, yeah, I think they lost the Frozen Faceoff championship that year, but still had a 500 record and, uh, and got in the tournament. So, um, but to your point, yes, you have to have a, a 500 record or, or better. And so it looks like Notre Dame is probably, uh, and I guess North Dakota to some extent, although they're going to have to win several games in a row to really get in Position to make the NCAA
0: tournament, so well, and Michigan State's only two games over five hundred. Yeah, you know, so I mean, that's that's pretty tight as well. So, and we when we were looking at it and discussing, we're like, uh, I'm pretty sure that that's a rule, and I just I wasn't sure, so I figured I'd wait and ask you because you would have a much better idea than I would.
2: Because yeah, yeah, those two teams just played each other, so someone had to win and someone had to lose there.
0: Right. So, I mean, it's certainly it's certainly. If nothing else, if you're in that as, as I look at the numbers, if you're in that uh, thirteen to twenty two section of the pairwise uh you're doing a lot of scoreboard watching for the next four weeks,
2: yeah, for sure it's it's uh it's really amazing I mean how much even like opponents opponents can you know alter it's not gonna alter you a ton, but it might move you one or two slots, which you know, like you said, if you're in that 13, 14 position, that can be the difference between making it and, and not making it. I think most infamously was back in 2018 when Minnesota Duluth got in ahead of uh, the Minnesota gold Gophers by, I believe it was one, one thousandth of a point uh, right. in the, the pairwise. So So it, it's, uh, it always comes down to the slimmest of margins and yeah, any, anyone from that kind of 13 to 17 or 18 range come uh, conference tournament weekend. Um, you're definitely watching those semifinals and championships and, doing uh, the predictors and figuring out, you know, who wins, which games, who gets in and things like that. So um, it's always an exciting time and interesting to see kind of how it all shakes out. Because
0: theoretically RIT could win enough games to be in that top 16, whether they win their conference tournament or not. And that would really, and and not, we're not even getting to Alaska. Uh, That, that, that could really throw things for a loop.
2: Yeah, I mean, if RIT were to be in the top, say, I guess, fifteen or top fourteen, and and not yeah. win Atlantic Hockey, and some other team were to get that auto bid, then you'd have two from Atlanta Hockey, and yeah, that would quote unquote steal a bid from one of those at large teams. So, you know, historically, you look at kind of the top fifteen are most likely in, assuming the uh, other five conferences besides Atlanta Hockey have have someone in those top fifteen of the pairwise, and then the sixteenth spot is usually where the Atlantic hockey champ goes. But to your point, if RIT is already inside of that, then um, if someone else wins their tournament, they, they would get two spots. And so that bubble goes from 16 to 15. And say, you know, uh, St. Lawrence or someone wins the ECAC tournament, well, now that bubble shrinks to 13. And, um, you know, if, if you're in the top 12, you're, you're more than likely pretty much safe because it's, you know, unlikely that someone, say, from the Big Ten outside of teams in the Parawise are going to win unless Wisconsin were to just, <laughs> just go on some sort of tear. Uh, but our conference could be one of those teams where you see an outsider get an auto bid right even this year. I mean, yeah, if Duluth or North Dakota were to get hot or if Omaha's even sitting on the outside uh, and goes on a run, I mean, um, there's. I think there are teams in our conference that could be one of those bid stealers, whereas in the past, you know, at least last year and I'm pretty sure the last couple of years, all, all the teams at the Frozen faceoff were already more or less a lock for the NCAA tournament, so it, it didn't, you know, not that it didn't matter who won, but it didn't matter right. from an NCAA tournament standpoint what what happened in those games. They were they were going to make it.
0: So, uh, because that's I've really not seen it be this tight at the bottom in 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 the years we've been doing this. So at least that's not my my perception of it. When do you, w- when does the when do teams really start looking at the pairwise? When do you guys as a league? When do when do the coach maybe the coaches look at it from day one? I don't know. Um, but when does when do the quote unquote people on the inside start really uh, messing around with the pairwise?
2: Yeah, I mean, as as uh, I think Scott mentioned earlier, it's it's strictly just a math formula, so there's not right. a whole lot we can do with it. Um, I would say I start looking at it in December. I think a lot of people start to maybe pay attention in December once enough. You really need a lot of non-conference games to be played, or really just games in general to be played for the math to make, to make sense. If, you know, teams have only played a couple games or teams don't have a single loss or don't have a single win, the the computer doesn't even really know how to calculate some of those things. Um, And so you get some kind of wonky looking results. Um, But I think by December, once you get kind of the Ivy leagues that start later in October, right, they don't start till kind of the end of October. Right. Um, And so once you get the Ivy league starting to have, you know, a handful of double digit games played uh, come December, I think you really can kind of get a better read on, Um, where where teams are sitting and um, I know in the past um, I've seen some things that say you know if you're in the top 12 uh, by December you make the tournament I want to say it was like I don't know 70 75 percent of the time but it seems like this year there's been a lot more movement we talked about kind of the hockey east teams kind of the bottom falling out a little bit for them um, because they had several teams in the top 16 uh, in December kind of early December and then kind of around that new year those holiday tournaments I don't think they had the results maybe they wanted and I think even in conference play, there's been some upsets, losing to maybe some lower teams, and so um, those teams like Merrimack, that was a one point in the top ten, and um, Lowell was certainly in the top top thirteen, top twelve. Providence was up there, UMass was up there, so all those teams are really would have to win their auto bid at this point to probably make the NCAA tournament. So uh, it is, I think, a little bit unusual to see as much change as we have, but. To answer your question, I would say December, I think certainly come January when most non-conference games are over at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, other than maybe some independence a little bit, um, you really have a, a better sense on it. Cause at that point conferences are just playing each other. And so you're probably not shifting quite as much as, as you might see with non-conference games.
1: Okay, Michael, I, I'm going to have some fun with you on a couple. Um, the first question is kind of a, a, a tongue in cheek, but, um, Paul and I were looking at our independents. We have uh, four teams that we cover that are in our uh, in our independent teams, and we added LIU this year. And we thought, you know what, at the end of the year, let's have some fun with these guys. Let's call it the College Hockey West Independent Cup. So, uh, if we're having the Independent Cup, uh, much like the Penrose Cup, how many cups do we need? <laughs> How many cups do you Yeah, need? do we need two, three? How many cups do we need to have in stock? Just in case there's a tie or we have to have a traveling cup or something like that? How many do we need?
2: Well, are you are you keeping standing? So are we talking like a regular uh, season? It or are is... we talking like a postseason tournament? So, you know, I know Alaska's kind of in the running to potentially get an at large, but Assuming, no, you know, we're... the independents don't make it, they would have their own kind of postseason <laughs> tournament, in which case I would say you should only need one cup, right? Because, you know, even if you need five overtimes, you would uh, d- determine a champion for a, for a trophy like that. I
1: would well, well, I seem to remember last year that you needed two and maybe maybe a permanent one, too. So I just was curious if I needed to look at three cups or two cups or <laughs> is one cup just going to work for us?
2: Yeah, well, we we do have two Penrose Cups. You're correct, and we did for the first time uh, last year award both of those. So that's why I asked if it's a regular season, you you could have a tie uh, for a regular season. It's all champion. in his head. You can't really you can't really have a tie in a tournament, though. I think you know this, Scott. I mean, yeah, you play, yeah, you play, play to a winner. So if it's a tournament, you don't need one. Um, we do have two uh, Frozen Faceoff trophies, so we can have one on display and one. Uh, with our champion, um, and then we kind of the thought was we'd have two Penrose Cups for the same concept—one with the champion, one for us to display. But uh, it was nice to have two this past year to uh, <laughs> give one to Denver and one to North Dakota. But uh, hopefully, we don't have uh, co-Penrose Cups of champs again because I was uh, had to present it twice in in two days in two different cities. So uh, to- I
1: know I just had to put a little dig into you again. <laughs> so the,
0: the question is, were they made at the same time? Did you expect that?
2: You're Talking about the two Penrose Cups and the two—I yeah. uh, don't know. So we already had at least one Penrose Cup before I even got to the NCHC. <laughs> okay, we, we may have already had two. Uh, yeah, that those those trophies predate me a little bit. Um, <laughs> okay. So I think I think uh, one of one of the Frozen Faceoff trophies may have had like a a little bit of a dent in it or something like that, and so we nice. kind of said, uh, "Hey, you need to make us another one because this one's." You know has a, has a defect in it and, and but like but we'll, we'll keep it because you know we'll still uh we'll still use it for display purposes and things it's not that bad of a dent so right um i think that may be how we ended up with two frozen face-up trophies is uh we had a little bit of a a dent, uh, you know, kind of like the uh, abs did to the Stanley Cup last year. Not, not quite <laughs> that bad.
1: But, okay, here's uh, my here's my serious question now. Um, I've spent a lot of time at Mullet Arena, uh, and and part of it was because it was new, and part of it was because I everything that I did started at Arizona State. But um, one of the other reasons, Michael, was there was a ton of teams coming in um, that I got to see for the first time, and. And more importantly, I got to see cross-pollination between the East and the West, if you will. And I I was curious because Paul was doing his Super 16, and I was going like, is this team any good? And I'm talking about Minnesota State and RIT, and I just needed to see if they could compete with some of the teams in the West. And just your thoughts, if you can, about East and West, and do we need more uh, non-conference cross-pollinations, or are we okay with what we got?
2: Yeah, I think that's actually a really good question. And I think it's, uh, I know it's something we've discussed within uh, our conference. Um, I think there's uh, certainly, there's a lot of merit to having some of those cross kind of country, quote unquote trips. Um, I'm sure it was nice for you to see an RIT and a Minnesota state, both of whom are, you know, having good years, RIT, especially having maybe a, a standout year. Um, so I, I think, you know, and especially if you get big matchups, so whether it's BU or BC that comes out, you know, I think BU came out to Michigan. I came out remember if it was this year. I think it was this year. Um, and, you know, you yeah, have I some actually of those...
1: saw BU and BC and RIT and Air Force. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> so I, so I... Just,
1: And I saw North Dakota players on the state in Vegas. So that's, right. that's uh, right. I saw a bunch of them, but I just thought it was really cool because sometimes you see the, the pairwise come out and stuff and you go, okay, well, well, who's a Quinnipiac beating uh, to be 22, three and three, who are they beating and how would they fare if they came to Denver or came to Colorado college or even Arizona state. And I just thought that uh, maybe there's some more need for uh, as you called it cross country trips.
2: Yeah. Well uh, to your point about Quinnipiac, they, they, if you recall, played at North Dakota earlier this year, and I believe got a win and a tie there. So um, that was a pretty big uh, series for them. And that was, you know, obviously coming out West for them. Um, North Dakota actually had gone to Quinnipiac the year before. So that was a, a return series. Uh, but I do think it's good for the game to kind of have that cross country trips, that like cross pollination, as you said, um, so that you see kind of that East West comparison. I think it helps the pairwise in terms of the three Eastern conferences, hockey East Atlantic hockey, ECAC, how do they stack up to CCHA, big 10 and the NCHC and, and some of the independents out West, um, whether it's Arizona state or Alaska or Lindenwood. Um, and so I do think that's important to get those crossover games. And, um, you know, we, we had actually had discussions with hockey East about some sort of a, nchc hockey east challenge kind of like you see with the uh the big 10 uh in basketball excuse me big 10 acc challenge i believe the sec and the big 12 do the same thing now in basketball um and and so we brought it up to our athletic directors and um and even to our coaches and uh you know the feedback was mixed um i think their biggest concern and and going back to your point about still being kind of the the post-pandemic period um is cost right so uh, St. Cloud and Duluth can can pretty much, in theory, schedule a non conference slate of all bus games. They can play the Gophers and St. Thomas and Minnesota State and Bemidji and Wisconsin. And, um, you know, there's enough schools that, that they can just bus all their non conference games and, and save a lot of money that way. If they got to go play BC or BU or Northeastern or Maine or whoever it is out east, um, that's a flight. And so that's a lot more money um, than busing. And, um, it's probably a two game series, whereas maybe they're doing a home and home against an in-state rival or something like that. So um, that, that was kind of the feedback we got. So I know Paul, it sounded like you're excited, but unfortunately, I don't, don't think that's going to happen anytime soon right now um, with the, with the hockey East uh, NCHC agreement. Um, we would have to look, we'd be looking at probably three, four years out anyway, because we already have conference schedules set and, and a lot of schools have their non-conference schedules set for the next set, schedules set for the next couple of years. But, um we we like the idea you know we thought of two two of the premier you know kind of the premier eastern conference and the premier western conference and and pitting them together but um yeah ad's were definitely uh finances were on the brain there and um just trying to (laughs) limit limit the travel and um even miami can play you know bowling green and ohio state and um, ferris state those are all bus trips notre dame all bus trips for them um and so Um, I think a lot of our schools, um, considering they already have to travel, you know, a decent amount in in conference play with our conference being spread out across three time zones, um, I think they like trying to at least schedule non-conference games locally. You know, there are schools like North Dakota that, as we said, you know, went out to Quinnipiac. I know CC's gone out east. Denver's gone out east to play BCBU, Northeastern, the last couple of years. Um, We talked about Denver going to UMass. So, you know, our our schools do go out east um, some, but um, I don't know that, Um, It's something you'll see, you know, all the time. I think, you know, you'll see it a couple times a year and maybe not as frequently as you guys would have hoped or liked.
1: Michael, I can tell you right now, it's a good thing that he's in the basement and uh, I'm on the 10th floor because if he heard that and was on the 10th (laughs) floor, there's no telling what would have happened. Oh, yeah, I probably jump.
2: It's just hockey. It's just (laughs) hockey, Paul just hockey they'll they'll, they'll meet up come ncaa tournament time it'll just make it that much better but no i i mean you look at when denver goes to umass those great games and umass comes out here and um you know north dakota and quinnipiac get those home and home series and bu and michigan get those home series i mean um it's it's definitely great for the game of college hockey for some of those powers out east to come out west and some of our schools to go out east and um to get to see some of those historic barns out east and things like that so there is definitely a lot of of merit and um i college hockey as a whole and, and fans in general would like to see it. But um, there are reasons that, you know, fans and media may not think about, you know, probably travel time, um, travel costs being the two biggest ones um, in terms of why you maybe don't see it as much as, as you could.
0: All right. So one of the other things that we wanted to have you on for? And I've seen the, I, I saw the first part and I'm like, okay, dude, when is the, when is the rest of this <laughs> v- video series coming out? Cause the first one was really good. And I'm waiting for parts two, three, and four.
2: Part two's out, man. Two, two's 2 been out for like a week and a half now.
0: Uh, uh,
2: I, it's, I, I, I can't uh, even
0: imagine it hasn't come across my feed. That's crazy.
2: I mean, it's literally pinned on our Twitter profile, so <sighs> I, I, mean, I can't help. I can't defend you on that one. I mean, if you know, go. <laughs> well, it's Jan- okay. Jan- listen. January, I guess it hasn't been a full. It's been. It came out Tuesday, so January 31st. But it's been out okay. almost a week now, so. I'll cut you a little slack, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's on all of our social channels. It's on NCHC TV, it's on YouTube. So, um, and I don't know, if, you know, I don't know where you were looking, but it's, it's there. Uh,
0: well, it usually comes across my Twitter feed because that, the, the there are fans of certain teams besides St. Cloud, um, that like to, um, uh, to borrow a phrase from a movie, announce their presence with authority. And, um, <laughs>
2: I can guess which school
0: that probably is. Well, I'm not saying anything. I'm just, just saying it happens. Mm-hmm. And usually, I, usually if I don't see it, Scott does and he retweets it. So, um, but uh, okay. Now, now I have to well, go look for it watch. again.
2: You got something to watch tonight when we get done here. So yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I gotta, yeah, it's, listen, it's, I got
0: to have something it, to do at work other than work.
2: That's right. Yeah. I mean, it's so yeah, it's on YouTube, NCHC TV. And, and for those that don't know, uh, you know, we're talking about our, uh, ten-year documentary, the rise of the NCHC, uh, four-part four uh, docu series, so to speak. And so, you could, if you want to mark your calendar, Paul, it's every uh, two weeks on Tuesdays. So. Gotcha. <laughs> um, so we had uh, January 17th and the 31st. The next one, I believe, is February 14th, uh, and then February 28th will be the last one. So yeah, pencil okay. or put it in marker, whatever you want to do on your calendar there, and uh, should be should be around eight. P.M. Eastern, your time, I believe. Nice. Uh, I'd say set your DVR, but uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's available on demand on NCHC TV and, and YouTube. So.
0: Okay, okay I don't more. have a DVR, so that, that's important to know. Okay,
1: we, got well, more to, we got more to talk about, so hold on a minute. But this, um, the first, I, listen, no, the no, first no, part you, was great. I know. You get to talk more. I, I just want to ask them this question. Uh, since, since we're talking about conferences and stuff like that, um, I'm just going to be blunt when are we going to add some more teams to this great NCHC
2: conference? Oh, oh that's a question. That's a question for Heather. I mean, it's <laughs> about, about my pay grade. I mean, uh, you know. no, I mean, uh, uh, in, in honesty, I mean, I think um, she's definitely more in tune to that or, or more open to that I should say maybe than, than Josh was. Um, I think Josh felt kind of like, you know, we had eight strong members and they were committed and, you know, don't, um, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Right. Um, and so, I think he kind of had that view of, you know, we looked at ASU and, and Minnesota state both of them officially applied. I think it was back in 2016 um, at the time um, ASU did not have their rink. They had no plans for a rink at the time. Um, and so we, you know, had to, to turn them down um, just because the facilities really weren't there. Um, but obviously we're six, seven years later, they do have a, a very nice facility. Unfortunately, I haven't had a chance to get there yet, but um it looks looks awesome. It looks like a great atmosphere. And so I think Heather is is um, more open to that, having more discussions with our membership, with our presidents and chancellors, um, which is probably kind of the next level, because those would be the ones that really would have to make those types of decisions to add um, new members. Um, you do have more independents out there than we've had in the past, um, whether it's Lindenwood, Augustine is not an independent, but it's a new school. Um, you know ASU now with their new barn, you have both Alaska schools sitting out there now. So, um, I think there's just more more options, more uh, teams out there, and um, with the NCA kind of going through this transformation, um, of you know I don't know if it's uh, mandates that it's going to be required to Division One teams, but more flexibility in um, scholarships, more scholarships, more coaches. I you probably saw that they've expanded uh, college hockey with along with some other sports from three. Uh, Coaches to four coaches, so three uh, three paid assistant coaches now um, going forward. So I think with with the changing landscape across kind of all of the NCAA, uh, Heather feels it's it's important to be more proactive uh, when it comes to kind of uh, membership and um, just being ready for what may come in in the future as opposed to maybe being a little bit more reactive. So I can't give you an answer in terms of when we'll add new members or who those new members will be, um, but I can tell you Heather is definitely. Having discussions both um, internally and and I think she's had conversations with schools um, externally. I, I won't name any specific schools, but I do know she's had some some conversations with, with a couple different schools, uh, independent schools uh, that are out there. So um, we'll see what comes of that. But uh, I think there's um, you know the potential for for changes uh, in the next let's say three to five years. Okay. you brought well, up the so, transfer- uh,
1: Hold on a minute. You can get yours in a second. You brought up the transformation committee, Michael. And uh, one of the things that Paul, I know he scours over it, you know, 24 hours to. a day whenever he can. Um, but one of the things that was brought up was the possibility of expanding the tournament to have 50% of your teams roughly in the, uh, and I'm just kind of paraphrasing here, but 50% of the team. So um, as a, as a member of a, a really strong conference, would you be in favor of seeing, say, a 32-team tournament instead of 16?
2: Yeah, I don't want to speak for, for Heather or really our membership. Um, my, my kind of personal opinion as a fan and as someone who's worked in college hockey for almost 15 years now um, is no, I don't, to be honest. Um, really? <laughs> I, I think 16 is a good number. Um you know there there is good parity. I think that's what makes college hockey or the NCAA uh, men's hockey tournament one of the most exciting tournaments because really anyone can win it, and we've seen that many times over. Right, the 16th seed has literally won the tournament a couple different times, and so um, you know I think there um, is that excitement. If you get the 32nd team in there, I mean, let me pull up the paralyze here, and I'm not going to knock any teams. I'm literally <laughs> literally just going to look. Go it ahead. Like- uh, who's 32 in the pair Bemidji State. Uh, 31 is Ferris State. 30 is Maine. 33, Princeton. 34, St. Lawrence. No offense to Colorado College. 35, CC. I mean, do those teams deserve to be in the NCAA tournament? Going back to having a winning record, almost none of those teams even have a winning record. So they wouldn't even be eligible in theory. So you'd have to almost waive the winning record rule for them to be eligible because of those teams I name, Maine, Ferris, Bemidji, Princeton, CC all have losing records. St. Lawrence is right at 500. Um, so none of them would even be eligible based on the current rules. Um, so you'd have to waive that. And, and I, I don't think if you're not 500, I, you know, I don't think you deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. So uh, yeah, personally, I think it's a good, a good mix. I, I would rather see them change maybe the format of the, ter- of the 16 team tournament or how they, you know, do it. Uh, I am a proponent of campus sites, at least in the first round. Um, I also think a best of three first round would be really cool. Um, but, but that's just, you know, my personal opinion, but yeah, in terms of expanding the field, I, I would not be crazy about it because when I look at some of those teams, again, not trying to knock on those teams, I'm just looking at the pair wise, I'm not sure those teams, you know, make the tournament more exciting or, or better. Um, you know, there's only what 61, maybe 62 teams with Stonehill. And so um, I, you know, I, I'm not, I wouldn't be a big fan of it in basketball either. Uh, you know, I think it should mean something if 50% of the field is making it you're, you're average or below average, and you're making the NCAA tournament. So that's kind of my personal opinion. I, you know, I think our league would, would probably feel the same way. I mean, there might be some teams that like a CC that would say, Hey, well, we'd have a good chance of making the tournament if the top 32 make it right. So There might be some that that like that, but uh, personally, I I think it would water down the tournament a little bit.
0: Okay, so I'm going to sit here, and and, and I'll ask the question because um, Scott kind of got the – because the the transformation committee uh, said a whole bunch of different things. Um, One, I am in favor of figuring out a way to have the first round be on campuses and be best two out of three. They do it for the baseball tournament. So there's yep. no reason why they can't do it, and they do it for softball. So it can be done. Uh, you're not in favor of 32. What about 24?
2: Uh, I could probably get behind a 24. Um, I could probably get behind that. Um, then, then you get some buys involved in there. I think. Um, yeah. So you know, I think then you reward maybe the teams that finish at the top, and so there's some some incentive to probably would be what the top eight. I think I don't know, I'd have to do that. Or or at there.
0: least conference winners anyway.
2: Yeah. So I, you know, I, I see 24. I mean, then you get some of those hockey East teams that we've talked about North Dakota gets in, um, Alaska would get in. And so I, I could see 24, I think looking at those records, everyone, uh, other than Notre Dame has a winning record there. So, um, you know, Duluth at 25 does not, they'd be on the outside, but yeah, 24, I think is, is a reasonable number. That's what more like a 33 kind of percent of, yeah. uh, 30% of, of teams. Um, yeah, I would be supportive of, of going to 24 and, um, you know, having some sort of campus sites, especially then. I think that would open it up for the spots, what, 9 through 16 to host, yeah. uh, 17 through 24 or however that would work, 9 through yeah. 15, 16 through 24, whatever. Um, on campus sites, I think that would be a great a great thing. Um, and then you'd be down to your top eight, get a buy, and then you'd be down to 16 teams after that. And whether you want to take those 16, I guess, and stick with your regional format or I think as it sounded like Paul, you would like and and I would like. I think I would like even another round on campus. Yes. So the top eight, top eight hosts the whether it's nine through sixteen or if you reseed if there's upsets, you know, in the sixteen through seventeen through twenty four, you kind of reseed or however you want to do that. Um, have one through eight get a home series two, um, and then move on to the the Frozen Four with the four. Uh, or or I guess you'd have you know if you have eight teams left, you either super regional or you can figure that out I'm not sure yeah
0: well personally I think that a we need to have eight conferences and then the eight conference winners get one through eight automatic uh, they get the you, you, they would get the buy and then they would host the second round but that's just me yeah uh, well and then
2: I'll, I'll throw this out this is uh, I, don't know, I haven't heard seen too much of this out here in the public realm but um, there was a group um, I believe it was the group that um, runs some college basketball Tournaments, whether they're in season or I think one of the postseason, not the NIT, but uh, the CIT or CBI, one of those um, that had approached, uh, I think, several college hockey teams or maybe all of them yeah. about interest for kind of a secondary postseason tournament. To your point about 32 teams uh, getting in the NCAA tournament, so you know if if you were to add this kind of secondary "quote unquote" NIT tournament, then you would be looking at some of those teams, and at least um, I can say our member schools didn't have. Uh, a lot of appetite for, for that um, kind of playing for a quote unquote NIT hockey tournament. So there is some discussion about getting more teams, I guess, in the postseason. Whether that's making you know fifty percent making the NCAA tournament or, or adding kind of a secondary postseason tournament. But again, not not a lot of appetite, at least on our end, for that.
0: Well, here's here's the thing that I did want to ask, and this definitely directly affects you guys. Um, there was some thought. And, you know, even uh, one of the conference athletic directors kind of uh, was talking about it last year before any of this broke out Um, with a transformation committee uh, kind of basically said um, each sport should kind of have its own uh, board of directors, so to speak, for lack of a better term. And they didn't say anything about ending – single sport conferences um where does that stand because that obviously directly affects you guys
2: yeah it's, that's a really good question and obviously something we've been tracking on and heather again has really kind of been at the forefront and, and had her finger on the pulse of that um to your point yeah we we I guess kind of feared the potential worst would have been yeah they either would not allow single sport conferences or if you're gonna be a single sport conference, you have to handle kind of all the compliance and stuff yourself, which we don't you know, really have the staff to do. Um, and so it, it does seem that you know, right now, they didn't really say anything about single sport conferences. And so we're, um, I guess maybe that's a good thing, but um, we do feel like we're still a, a little bit in limbo there. Um, ultimately, they're, they're gonna have to make some sort of a decision, especially hockey is, is so unique. Um, and you guys know this because we have D1, D2 and D3 schools playing at D one hockey. Right. Um, including our own conference has two D two school full-time D two schools and a full-time D three school. Um, and so we, we have all three, uh, divisions covered in our conference. And so, you know, going back to what we were talking about, if the transformation committee was going to mandate that you have to, for hockey, you had to give out 24 scholarships and you had to have five coaches and, you know, X number of whatever, um, you know, how does that impact uh, Duluth or Saint Cloud or CC, who aren't Division One schools? You know, aren't staffed and funded like Division One schools necessarily? At least in maybe their other programs besides hockey. Um, and so, what effect? You know, does that have then on the equity of our conference, where you have five D One schools and three non D One schools? Um, and what does that look like? So, um, you know, right now we're I guess optimistic that they didn't say anything, but yeah, it's definitely still. Uh, A little bit in limbo, but we feel like they're going to have to make some ruling uh, on this. But again, with them not going as far as we thought on their initial rulings, we're hopeful that we can kind of keep the status quo for right now.
0: Well, I'll just go on the record again, and we say it all the time here. I never want to see that. That is the uniqueness of college hockey. And I never want to see that change.
2: Yeah, for sure. No, no question. We don't. Well, college hockey can't afford to lose its D two and D three schools because there just wouldn't be enough schools even right. playing yeah. it. Um, but 100%. yeah, that's what makes that's what makes college hockey so great is that you have a team like Colorado College, a D three school or R I T, that can win national championships and compete with Michigan and Boston College and Minnesota and some of these Big Ten, you know, that have you know, budgets, you know, hundreds of times the size of uh, CC and RIT and union yeah. who've, you know, won that, you know, won a national title back in uh, whatever that was, 2014, I think. So yeah, something like that.
1: All right, Michael, um, final, final one, and we'll let you go on this one. Um, Paul and I both watched uh, the battle for the uh, gold pan, and there's a little scuffle. Is there anything more coming down the pike for uh, that little scuffle around the net? Um, in supplemental discipline that you're you're aware of right now or are things just settled down and it is what it is? Uh,
2: again, that's not really my realm, but I have not heard anything uh, from Don exactly. Adam, our director of officiating uh, or from Heather, although I know Heather is, uh, she was at the NHL All-Star uh, weekend in uh NHL All Star games, so I think she's been a little preoccupied, probably. Uh, nice. on the, probably on the beach today. Or something <laughs> nice, like that good in job. The degree weather, so lucky good job. I'm just Heather. curious
1: because when I look at the standings and I see 35 points for Denver, 33 for Western Michigan, 33 for St. Cloud, 30 for Omaha, I'm going like, wow, um, coming down the stretch, any kind of supplemental discipline could maybe have a little effect on there. So I was just curious because I know those games are, are really, really competitive. And, uh, you know, guys, I was telling Paul, I said, I learned so much the last year and a half or so about the gold pan series and the battle between Denver and Colorado College. And, you know, I know those guys know each other and they're, they're friends off the ice and stuff. But, boy, when, when it comes to playing on the ice and battling for that old gold pan, they really put it out there.
2: Yeah, no, it, uh, it got a little chippy at the end of the game there. Uh, you know, it was good to see CC put up uh, a little fight, quote-unquote, literal fight, quote-unquote, uh, probably frustrated just with, uh, you know, they had a, a record crowd on hand, amazing atmosphere, was rocking, great crowd, um, and, and felt like they were probably in the game after McCown's penalty shot and then a couple penalties and it got away from them. But, um, yeah, it was one of the tighter games between those teams uh, in a while. I know the one up at Ball Arena was only – uh, 2 nothing and another great crowd and uh, awesome atmosphere. But uh, that one was only 2 nothing. But that one, uh, you know, Denver really seemed to be in control of that game for, for much of it. And this one, it seemed to maybe be a little bit more uh, up for grabs. But, uh, yeah, as far as I know, um, no supplemental discipline. That's not to say there won't be. I just haven't heard uh, anything from Don Adam, which is uh, who would let me know. And then I, I put out a little press release. So, uh, But I haven't heard anything. You know, I, I didn't see anything that maybe – that line I you know I would have maybe expected a couple more minors I think they only can call a couple minor penalties and I think Justin Lee got a face mask uh, penalty um, which is a major so um, there was you know some scraps but I didn't see anything unless I missed something that was too too egregious but um, never know uh, what what Don and our supervisors uh, may catch on video that uh, I missed with the naked eye so uh, we'll see Denver's got a big one with North Dakota uh, in Denver next weekend Denver's got two games in hand on, on several of those teams that you mentioned other than Omaha too. So if Denver can, if Denver somehow sweeps North Dakota, that would really kind of open that gap for, for the Penrose cup there.
1: Well, I'm i uh, I'm headed back to Colorado this week, so I'll be there for that series and uh, look forward to that. Maybe I'll stop down and see you and maybe we can sneak over and get a couple bees tossed at us. And yeah, um, uh, <laughs> and have some fun with that, but uh, okay. Okay. So here it is. Are you even gonna watch the Super Bowl or are you just so distraught that it's not not even of interest to you right now?
2: Yeah, I think uh I mean I'll probably watch it just cause what else do you do on Super Bowl Sunday? But <laughs> this I will say this will probably be the first time where I'm I'm kinda of bitter and salty that uh you know, I'm watching it and my team isn't in it because as I said, the Bengals uh historically are a you know, have not been the most successful franchise, many many, many losing seasons, uh hadn't won a playoff game, uh you know, they won one last year, got all the Super Bowl. But prior to that, they hadn't won a playoff game since 1991. Uh, the last time they were in the Super Bowl prior to last year was, was 88 when I was, uh, well, I was just say I was I was really young uh, when that <laughs> happened. I don't, don't really remember it. So, um, you know, it was, it was never really even in my dreams that the Bengals could make the Super Bowl. And so I just watched the Super Bowl hoping for a good game. But now that they are, you know, they did make the Super Bowl. And when we're a play or two away from winning it. And this year, again, a play or two away from getting back to it. Um, it definitely stings a little more. And I know uh, several of my Bengals uh, fans, friends and uh, friends on Facebook that, have, that uh, comment on the Bengals have uh, said they may not be watching this year. So uh, it's definitely a little bit different uh, when your team is actually really good and, and competitive. And, you know, I used to have no hope in the Bengals. And now, I, you know, I thought they were going to pull it <laughs> out again, again in Arrowhead, uh, probably because probably I wasn't there this year. I went to it last year in person <laughs> and saw them, So. Oh, yes, see, I that's did. what it was. Yeah, you can, it. can blame me. I wasn't yelling uh, loud enough in Arrowhead this year. So.
1: Well, no, I, I,
2: I'll, I'll I, be watching. But I, well, I see. I don't this, know if I will be. I, I I will not be cheering for the Kansas City Chiefs, though. I can tell you that. I will I will not be cheering for the Chiefs. So you can call me call me bitter, call me salty, but uh, I'll think, be cheering for the Chiefs.
0: Listen, well, uh, Michael. Don't, don't don't. I'm I'm not. I'm with you, but I'm not with you. I was like. I can't root for that green team.
2: Yeah. No, hell no. You're a Giants fan? I mean, yes, I am. I went to the very first. that's yeah, I, I mean. went
0: to my first game. They were still playing at Yankee Stadium, so I just got to age myself. but Okay, um, I got
1: you both beat. I'm leaving whatever. Arizona on Friday. <laughs> um, I'm leaving the $400 a night hotels, yeah. and I'm coming to Denver, <sighs> and whatever. I hope the weather's nice so I can see a little uh, Pioneer and uh, North Dakota Fighting Hawk action. Sue. And,
2: uh, <laughs> I, heard th- I heard that, Paul. <laughs> uh, no, that was Eddie Christian. That wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Michael, thanks so much for spending some time with us. I always appreciate it. I'll see you soon, my friend.
2: Yeah, Paul, I got to know, when are you going to make it to the Frozen Face Off? Is it, oh, it going to be this
1: knows?
0: year? Uh, who knows? I'm. Uh, He's uh, waiting a for a credential. Day Can
2: he get one? Of course. I mean, I, I give you a credential, Scott, don't I?
0: <laughs> well, that day, you just answered your own question, Scott. Because you won that. that should, well, who knows? I, I, I'd it, love Paul, to, but.
1: Paul doesn't make it. Nick is gonna be there with me, Michael. So I'll I'll okay. submit for both of us. So
2: that's good. Yeah. Good. That's good. He he knows what to do there. So
1: yeah, he he's uh he's well versed in that stuff. So yep. <laughs> we'll all right, Michael, thanks for joining us. That's Michael Weissman, the uh associate commissioner of the NCH joining us tonight. Paul and I will be back in just a couple of minutes to wrap up another episode of the College Hockey West
2: Live podcast. We'll be right back. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Good night.
0: at Behind the Mask, we have all the little things that can make your time at the rink go smoother. Go to any of our three valley locations or online at behindthemask.com.
2: Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that, and its players graduate
0: at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegers. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie score. Before the NHL stage, whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Oh, my gracious, man. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at college hockey. So you're a few weeks into the season, and that brand new equipment bag is starting to get kind of funky. Those sweaty gloves and pads, yuck. Well, there's only so much you can do about it, but when that new pair of summer skates starts to pick up that scent, That's easy. Our customizable shower shoes go right into the washing machine, then air dry overnight, and they're ready for their next shift at the rink. Customizable for your team or with your favorite player's name and number, Summer Skates, the ultimate hockey player's footwear, are perfect for players in the desert or even for just wearing around the house. Head to icetimehockeywest.com and click on the Summer Skates link to get your personalized koozies and shower
2: shoes today. Question?
1: Comment? Let us hear from you on our text message line at 303-943-3772. All right. Welcome back in, hockey fans, to College Hockey West Live. It's our Sunday night staple where Paul Hornstein and myself uh, will wrap up what happened over the past weekend. We got a little carried away because Michael's always such a great guest and gives us uh, so much of his time. We're so happy for that. But we're running a little late, but uh, Paul – Quick wrap up of the weekend for uh the teams that we uh we cover, if you would.
0: Well, we talked
1: about Denver,
0: right, and 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 how that that, that game was a was 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 a tough game for both teams there at Ed Robson Arena. Uh you could definitely feel the intensity through the through the through the screen. And uh kudos to the Nanooks up there in Fairbanks. Um they took advantage of their opportunities. Uh
1: um, what what did you tell me today? They were doing what? Had their eye on the what? They had their eye on the prize. They they yeah. didn't let down.
0: ASU yeah, got really a did. got a quick goal Saturday night and 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 Fairbanks came right back and got two quick ones. You know? Um good for them.
1: And we you hope know, to have uh, Coach Largan on over the next couple of days or so, so we'll find out what worked for him. And uh, what's best, but man, kudos to them and the great job that they're doing. Um, We'll get, we'll get more into that. But right now, Paul, after the first weekend, I know it's just two games, but after the first weekend, the Nanooks uh, at a 1000 winning percentage in the college hockey West independent cup race. Okay. You're keeping track of that on me. I just comment (laughs) on the games. Okay. Uh, Anyway, we're going to have some fun with it as the season plays out, because when you're when you're an independent and you don't have a conference tournament, you got to play for something. So let's go for the College Hockey West um, Independent Cup. Let's do it. Michael said we only need one. So that's good. It fits well, the gotta budget. Well, I got to start with one anyway. He said it fits the budget. Okay. <laughs> Not my budget, but, you know, probably yours. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, we're still looking for a sponsor for that, by the way. So we'll find it. Maybe it'll be Spaghetti Shack. We're we'll talking. I talked with Joey. A little bit and uh he's uh he's considering some things so we'll see right. but uh that'll be all right Rocky We himself, just uh, yeah. anybody we can find we'll uh we'll bring on and uh let's have some fun with it the college hockey mm-hmm. west independent cup it's underway yeah, yeah. take it away my friend
0: from the summer skate studios behind the mask college hockey west live on the ice time hockey west.com network brought to you by desert toyota of tucson no gimmicks no games just a great car and a great experience Find us at deserttoyota.com or at 7150 East 22nd Street in Tucson. Behind the mask, whether you use blades or wheels, whatever your hockey needs are, see our three Valley locations or behindthemask.com. Jesse Ray's Barbecue, the best in barbecue, Las Vegas style, available at our two locations, 5611 South Valley View Boulevard in Las Vegas, as well as 308 North Boulder Highway in Henderson. For the NCHC and NCHC.tv, subscribe to NCHC.tv, And catch all of the action from the toughest conference in college hockey. Topgolf. Play some of the world's most iconic golf courses without packing a suitcase. Find out how. See your local Top Golf center or go to topgolf.com. Liberty University. Over 700 programs of study to help you impact your community on and off the ice. Strengthen your faith at our state-of-the-art campus. See us at liberty.edu. Caesars Entertainment Resorts and Casinos worldwide. It's where the action is. In the resort or in town. College Hockey West Live presented by Behind the Mask and all of the IcetimeHockeyWest.com podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app and available for download at whatever your preferred podcast platform is. Ask Alexa to turn on your ITHSW podcasts. That's ITHSW podcasts, all one word. When you search that platform, subscribe, rate, and review, help people find the show. Behind the Mask is College Hockey West Live and all of our weekly podcasts. Or part of the Ice Time Hockey network.
1: Wow, so much great stuff. Well done, as always. Our thanks to Michael Weissman, the Associate Commissioner for the NCHC, for spending some time with us tonight and uh, explaining a lot of things to us that maybe Paul and I were just uh, not clear on or whatever. So it was great to have Michael on, and we appreciate his time, as always. Um, we will say goodnight with little Roger Klein and the Peacemakers, uh, De Niro. And we'll ask you to join us again tomorrow night for uh, analytics and eyeballs and Tuesday night, of course, for our College Hockey West Weekly. And Wednesday night, Stephen Marsh and I will be here with the Great West College Hockey Podcast. So lots of great stuff happening. Stay tuned, and we will see you soon. Good Good night, everybody.